Praise the Lord Jesus. We are petitioning that her health would be increased for her to be safely and peacefully and right now that she would be smooth. We we bind what the enemy has in store for her, Lord. It is now null and void. It is canceled out. And we ask that you fill that void, Lord, with your love, your healing, and your peace. I think it was yesterday's morning um, 
just in my time with the Lord, I felt a lot of times I journal. I like to journal processing through stuff with God I write. And it, it was either yesterday or Friday morning. I can't remember right now. And where I felt like I, the Holy Spirit took my pen and started to write again. And I don't know. It's almost like when you get a prophetic word and you feel like the Holy Spirit just took over your body and began to declare something. If I'd never had that happen, happen before when I was writing. Where I, I literally, and I wrote, I, I believe the Holy Spirit is writing right now because it was so heavy on me. And something that I wrote during that time, there was a lot that I wrote, but something, one particular part, and I was thinking of Carrie, was commanding, the, the Holy Spirit was saying, command the healing, command the healing, command the healing over and over again. And even raise, raise the dead, the power of Christ lives within you. Raise the dead, the power of Christ lives within you. And this, this, I believe that that's the unction of the Spirit in this time for us as a community today. The message that the Holy Spirit kept putting in my mind was, what is the church? What is the church? Because, uh, you know, we're all part of this entity in the earth called the church. And it can be very, you know, everyone has a different perspective, it seems, even people, believers, have this perspective of what is the church. And there's clarity in Scripture. God has laid out a very clear plan for the church. And a big piece of it is this authority that he's given to us through the blood of his son, through that sacrifice on the cross. He has given us authority as sons and daughters to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to uh, uh, impact our communities with love and joy and peace, to be the peacemakers wherever we are, for our neighbors, for those that live among us and around us, for our families. We have now become these filled people of God, children of God, who are bringing wherever we go his presence, his kingdom, his power, his authority fully in each and every one of us. And we were joking about it the other, was it yesterday when I said, oh, yeah, you're going to preach on Sunday. And it was like, oh, I don't have anything. Well, I was like, do you have the same spirit? So, yes, you do. You could have anything. Someone's and Marie said, yeah, yeah. And then I said, well, Marie, you're going to preach. And Marie's like, oh, no way. I'm not going to preach. And I said, well, the same spirit that lives inside of you lives inside of me that literally could empower any of us to do anything. And that's the beauty of it. I mean, we each have been gifted very specific gifts, and that's awesome because they're diverse. There's ministries. So there are ways where Marie has gifts that I don't have. I have gifts that Marie doesn't have, and that's what makes the body beautiful because then we work together, and we're both fulfilling different activities and ministries, and we're not all just doing the same thing. But at the same time, the spirit of the living God lives in each one of us. And if one Sunday morning Marie came empowered by the spirit with a word, then we would say, Marie, preach. Even if that's not her primary gift or even one of her gift sets. Because the same spirit that lives inside of me, the spirit of the living God lives inside of her. And he's the one that speaks and we give all honor to him. We give all glory to him. The word that comes forth, no matter who the vessel is, it doesn't matter. The word comes from the spirit, and we give honor to the spirit, the Holy Spirit of God. 
So what is the church? And I was thinking of Ephesians 3. So if you have your Bible, you can open up to this. And if not, you want to write it down and read it later or both. Ephesians 3, 8, verses 8 through 12. Ephesians 3, verses 8 through 12. And this is Paul writing to the church of Ephesus, you know. And he says, to me, to Paul, the very least of all the saints. Now that's pretty incredible. Paul, right? the one who pretty much <laughs> laid out the administration of the church for all times, he calls himself the least of all the saints. This grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which for ages has been hidden in God who created all things so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church. <laughs> through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. This was in accordance with the eternal purposes which he carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, to whom we have boldness and confident access through him in faith. So that's a, a bunch of wordy stuff there. Basically, break it down. Paul was given a twofold ministry by the grace of God. That's why he was able to say he was the least of all the saints, because he knew it wasn't of anything he had done. In, him, in his own self, he was persecuting the church, right? He killed Christians for a living thinking that that was honoring God. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. So he calls himself the least of all the saints because he knows who he is apart from God is a really desperate, messed up guy. He says, I'm the least of all the saints, but by the grace of God, which then magnifies this grace that we've each been given, right? Like, whoa, by the grace of God, he's been given this ministry to preach to the Gentiles, which was a brand new thing. Before Christianity or Christianity wasn't even there, but God was only for the Jews, right? So now all of a sudden the Gentiles are in and Paul's saying this was the plan of God from the beginning of time, from all eternity, was that the Gentiles were going to come in when Jesus came at that perfect moment in time where God sends his son. So he, he's given this ministry to preach to the Gentiles which is amazing. The second thing that Paul was given was to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery, which was hidden. Next verse is the church. It's kind of wordy, so it's kind of hard. We have to break down like nouns and verbs and figure out what is he talking about, what's the mystery, where was it hidden, and what's this administration he's talking about. Well, the administration, when you look at the actual word, it means the household order. The household order. So Paul was given the ministry to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of God, that they could be saved and brought into a family. And then to bring to light, to bring some understanding, to sh you know how we have that phrase, shed light on? He was to shed light on the household order of the, this mystery, which is the church so that the wisdom of God could be displayed through the church. 
to all rulers and authorities in heavenly places. And this is God's eternal promise. The church has always been the plan of God. That's awesome. The church. Now, we think oftentimes like, okay, there's local churches, but what we're talking about here, a local church would be us, would be Tammy's church down the road, would be all these local communities of believers that are planted everywhere. All of us are part of the global Big C church. Every single one of us. And that was the plan. This big C global church is the plan of God to reach the earth, to reach souls, to display who he is through our relationship with one another, the household order. How we are to relate with one another. And we know in John 17, it says that they'll know Jesus was sent by God by what? Our love for one another and our unity. That's not just love for one another right here and unity here, though it starts here, but it's with the, the total church everywhere. The church down the road, the churches in our communities, the churches in our state. We have got to be loving one another and in unity with one another. A local church community like we are now, there's a household order that Paul taught about in through his letters because that was what God told him to do. He was to preach the good news to the Gentiles, bring them into the family, and then say, this is what it's supposed to look like, people. Otherwise, we would have had no idea. All of us Gentiles here today, we would have no clue what it meant to be the church or the people of God. We wouldn't know. How would we know that? So then God gives this one man, he says, Make it clear to them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unveil this mystery to you, and you're going to make it clear to the church what they're meant for, what their purpose is, and how they're meant to relate to one another. So though we have this local church and then we have the global church, some people would take that and say, well, that means I could just go to whatever church I want and go from church to church to church because we're all just one big church. Well, the truth is, yeah, we are all just one big church. We are one. That's why we really shouldn't judge other local communities because they're our brothers and sisters. We don't judge them. They're saved by the same grace that we're saved. They're following the same king that we're following. We should be for them, <laughs> encouraging one another as the body, just like a family would. We're on the same side, basically. Why would you want to tear down someone who's on the same side of the war that you're on? No, we want to tear down the enemy. Start focusing your tearing down to the enemy's camp and building up the side that we're actually on, which is the global church, big C. Build up, speak well of the church down the road. Serve them, encourage them. Does that make sense? But to jump from community to community to community was never the plan. And why is that? In, in the different types of relationships that Paul talks about, and it's, we're not going to go into all of that today because there's a lot. It's all throughout the letters. You know, he, he says, do not gossip, slander. He goes through all these ways. 
older women teach younger women, older men teach younger men. These are the leaders in the church. This is what they're supposed to do. There's so many different facets that he teaches of order. There's a lot to it. So we're not going to go into it. But when he describes it, it describes a relationship and function that describes deep relationship. Discipleship can only happen when you have the deep relationship. Paul and Timothy. Timothy went with Paul everywhere. Paul took Timothy and said, come with me, let's do ministry together. That's how I'm going to disciple you. We're going to be so intimate that we're going to be doing life together. I'm going to see your faults, you'll see mine, and we're going to grow together. I'm going to teach you the way, character-wise, spiritually, every part of your life. I'm going to model what it's supposed to look like, which is a great responsibility, but I'm going to model it for you so that you look at me and you see Jesus. And then when I look at you and see that you're impatient or, you know, you don't want to serve or you want to be in the light, well, I'm going to call that out in you. Why? Because I want you to look like Jesus too. Not because I'm so much above you or because I'm your leader. No, it's a father. I'm your father in the faith. And so I'm going to call something out in you and say, hey, that's not Christ-like. And the purpose here is for you to look like Christ. That takes a level of relationship that takes time. We have to spend time together to get to that place. And if you're jumping around from community to community to community, nobody's ever going to get to know you well enough. We'll go into that into the orphan mindset series where that is an orphan mindset. And why we do it is very clear. But in the overall, that's why we're supposed to stay in a place, stay committed, get to know each other, good, bad, and ugly. Learn to love each other, good, bad, and ugly. Real love says, I see you're ugly, and I remember my ugly too. (laughs) And I remember that God was gracious to me and still is in all my ugly. So I'm going to extend that same grace and try to help you through your ugly too. Because when my ugly comes out, I'm going to need your help. I'm going to need your love. I'm going to need your grace. Because none of us are just always good. There's only one who's good. We all have good, bad, and ugly. And when we stay in relationship with one another and we spend time together, it's inevitable that that ugly is going to be coming out. A marriage relationship, even more so, because you're with each other all the time. We see the good, bad, and ugly that other people don't even see sometimes. (laughs) No, no, I'm the ugly one. (laughs) He's so beautiful. (laughs) He's so good. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Did you say you'll give me your glasses? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's true. But it's, no, but it's, isn't that true? We want to, I want to get to know that place. I want to get to the depth of relationship. Also, depth of relationship is when I see you're ugly, it's, it's seen, and then I choose to love you still and be patient with you, and then you feel like, wow, I'm still loved. That's a reflection of God's love. Uh, this is real family. 
someone didn't just reject me because what we've known so much is just this insta, insta rejection even by the church or an instant like I'm going to look down on you because you just displayed some sort of arrogance or maybe you weren't acting in maturity or whatever and so all of a sudden I'm like well you're immature and you need to grow up and blah 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 and all these judgments but we've got to stop that. This community, the church, this local expression. So what are we as a local group? We're meant to be a minor, a, a, a mini expression of the global church, right where we are, micro expression of the greater church. So when people in this community see us and how we act with each other and treat one another, they would say that is the church global. This is the body of Christ all over the world is supposed to look like this. That's how we are walking in unity. I wanted to read this quote by A.W. Tozer. He's one of my faves. He says, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos, all tuned to the same fork, are automatically tuned to each other. They are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers met together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be, were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God and to strive for closer fellowship. Okay, it's a mouthful. So what he's saying is a piano, when you tune a piano, you tune it to one fork, right? You don't tune the notes to each other. You tune it to the higher standard. By tuning it to this standard, they all become in tune to one another. And they play beautifully. So he's saying, using that concept, that each one of us, when we are focused on Christ and loving him first and allowing him to move through us by loving one another, we will automatically be unified together in heart because we're all looking to the one standard. But if we start to take our eyes off Jesus and become so focused here, striving to become in unity with one another, it's never going to work. We're going to mess up. We're going to fail. We're going to get focused on each other's ugly. Because I'm looking this way. But if I'm looking this way and recognizing, receiving his love, his grace, his patience, then when I see this here exp uh, or experience something here, I'm going to be filled with this grace that I can extend. I'm going to be filled with the love that then extends from that place. And then we're in unity. We're supposed to be this local expression right here in our community to the people right around us. And that's us as a community and then individually where we live. Jane Marie, your community, where you live, the house is right around you, neighboring you. You become an expression of Jesus, the church, to those people. You become the light in your community, and then even in your workplace. You become the light to the people around you. You become the light to the people around you. And then we come join together, and we're a group expression of this light. 
of this joy that we've received because of the relationships within. Jesus is coming back for a global church. He's not just coming back for Crossing Life Church Carmel. He's coming back for a global church. We're all connected. We're emphasizing the fact that Tammy's church down the road is one with us. Whether they realize it or not doesn't matter. They're Christians. They're one with us. Therefore, we have a standard to love them as our own family. If they love us like their own family, that shouldn't matter to us. That's their responsibility to, you know, when God gives them that revelation and understanding. When we have the revelation and understanding that they are one with us because we are part of the same global family, that we must love them as our own family, speak well of them like we're on the same side. I'm just using that as an example because she's so close. You know, she's right there. And so many times in our day we get so divided. Denominations, different things divide us. We're fighting for bigger congregations or whatever it is. We missed the mark a little bit. It's our little ugly coming out. It's not how it's meant to be. Encourage, build up. Because we are one. Now, I've traveled a lot, gone to, lived in several different locations. As you guys know, I lived in Brazil for a while. What's the coolest thing is I got to Brazil. I went by myself, showed up. No one speaks English, right? It's all Portuguese. But immediately I show up into a Christian community, a YWAM base. I knew a couple there, Chio and Heziani, and their family. I show up there. And I am immediately welcomed in as if I'm one of their own. And they start, all of them, as a community, start taking care of me. They didn't know me. They had never met me before. I didn't even speak their language. But there was this revelation of she's a sister in the Lord. She doesn't know our language. We're welcoming her in. And I experienced what the church is meant to be. They welcomed me in their homes. They made food for me. They took me shopping. They taught me how to speak Portuguese, sat with me, labored with me. Why? They didn't know me. They had no reason to do that, but they did because they recognized we're family. We're family. In Haiti, I went there by myself. I didn't speak the language. There, I didn't know people where I went. I get there. Well, it's because some Christians find out through my connection in Brazil that I'm there. Christian Brazilian missionaries, and they reach out to me. Start inviting me over. Come pick me up. Bring me to their house. Make me food. Invite me in. Have relationship with me. They didn't know me. Why did they do that? Christian connection. We're family. We're family. I could, Bulgaria. I went to Bulgaria. Show up at a mission base. 
They find out I'm a Christian. They let me stay there for free. They buy me groceries. Me and my missionary friend, they buy us groceries. They make the bed. They give us, let us stay there for free for days. They don't know us. They don't owe us anything. We did nothing for them. Why did they do that? Because we're family. Wow. We can't even do that in our own community, in our own country. It's showing a lack of revelation that we have that we are one body called the church, one family made up of a bunch of little families spread all around for the purpose of reaching our communities. We shouldn't be a bunch of little communities because we're divided, because we can't get along. The reason we're supposed to have a bunch of little communities is to reach the lost in many different places, as many different places as possible. That's the purpose of having many small communities. It shouldn't be that, oh, well, we didn't get along, so we split. And now we don't work together anymore because we were divided on this issue. <laughs> no, we split because they said, we want to reach more people. We want to display God's glory more. We're of the same church. We're of the same family. We want to show him wherever we go. And again, this is not that we would have this understanding and then judge people like, oh, they're not doing that. They're divided because they're divided. No, it's for us to realize this is who we are. This is what we're part of. This is the plan of God. And if we can be grounded in that, then we start loving people a lot better. The more revelation we get of that, we begin to love people a lot better. People come in and start to show their good, bad, and ugly, and we love them through it. We walk them through it. We persevere with them through it. It's like Marie with Terry, persevering with someone through sickness. Many trials, many trials, many trials. Why does Marie do that? Because she loves her. The L word. That love comes from God. doesn't come from Marie. Marie only knows that love because she's known the love of God. Because she knows the love of God, she extends it. She feels it so much so that it compels her to keep reaching out to Terry, to be a friend for her, to listen, to bring her to doctor, to sit in a hospital for six hours with her. That's the love of God. That's the love of the church. That's the love of family. In Mark, I want to end with this part, because Paul taught a lot about it, but Jesus emphasized it a lot. And this scripture always hits me in a weird way. Mark 3. So Jesus is, you know, surrounded by a crowd of people. And uh, the scribes come down, the Pharisees, and they start attacking him, saying, you know, he's, he's possessed by a demon. They're all saying all this crazy stuff about Jesus. And, um, and Jesus is obviously confounding their wisdom with true wisdom from above. And it gets to a point, verse 31 of chapter 3, it says, Then his mother, Jesus, his mother and his brothers arrived, and standing outside, they sent word to him and called him. 
a crowd was sitting around him. They said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Answering them, he said, Who are my mother and brothers? Looking about at those who were sitting around him, he said, Behold, my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Now, if you were Jesus' mother, Tommy and I were talking about this this morning, because I'm like, you know, Jesus was perfect, so maybe his mom was like, well, he's perfect, so even if I'm upset that he didn't honor me right now or seem to be with honoring, she knows he was right. <laughs> That's like a hard thing to deal with, <laughs> having your kid literally always be right as the son of God. That would be annoying, especially when they do something like this where you're calling them and you think I'm the parent. Yeah, exactly. It's happened before. And it happened before, but y they're calling for him. And then he, in this, what seems like almost absurd, but he was making a point, a very strong one. Who's my mother and my brothers? He's saying the connection we have in doing the will of God and knowing God is a greater tie than our natural family. It, it is on par. He's saying the same way that they're my mother and my sister and my brothers, anyone who does the will of God is that same thing to me. My natural blood family is not more to me than my kids' family. It's now on the same playing field. We're family. Have we gotten that deep of revelation? Now, I love my blood family deeply. And to me, I say, well, they're my Christian family, too, <laughs> for most of them. So I get to have them on the same playing field. But it should be that everyone here in this congregation, same playing field as my blood family. Everyone in Tammy's church down the road, same playing field. Anyone who does the will of God is my mother, my brother, my sister. Whoa. That takes our love like, I know my love's not there yet. I can be honest about that. It's not. <laughs> I want it to be. I recognize that it is the plan of God. I recognize that this is how he designed it to be. He emphasized it very clearly. We can come up with a lot of excuses, but he emphasized this very clearly. Our love for one another should be that strong. As family, as one. We were. This has been kind of brewing around in our hearts because recently we've been talking about unity. What does unity in the body look like? And we've been talking with other pastors. Well, we've been praying for unity for years. What does that even mean? How are we pursuing unity in the body? How are we pursuing this oneness? So mulling over that thinking about it. What did God say about it? How are we supposed to treat one another? And who is the church? What is the church? We are the people of God in the earth placed here to display his glory to the lost, to be the agents of peace and joy. You can be sure that when Marie is bringing Carrie to the hospital, she is an agent of peace. Carrie. She's an agent of joy to Carrie. Comfort. How comforting is it to have a friend with you in one of your hard times? That's comfort. That's displaying who he is. 
not displaying who Marie is. It's displaying who he is. And that should be us wherever we go, and especially being good to the household of faith, like Galatians says. Especially to the household of faith. Why? Because when they see us loving one another, they're going to be jealous for it. They're going to desire it. So we are one global church. We're not separated or divided from the churches in Bangor, from the churches in Carmel, from the churches in Herman. We are one. One church. There is only one church. There is only one bride. We are one. One made up of many different parts that can look very different. But our love for one another needs to be the same. Our appreciation for one another needs to be the same. That we're building up. And I, I know I've talked about this before, making unrighteous judgments, remembering like talking about that about other people, other churches, other believers. I can't emphasize it enough because we are pursuing unity and a lot of it starts right here. Because what we speak comes out of our hearts. The overflow of our hearts. And if I'm tearing down the church down the street or the people in it, what's that displaying about my heart? I'm not in unity. There's a problem. I need, we need to see the good, bad, and ugly and say, love covered by a multitude of sins. Grace, patience, mercy that we've all each received in abundance. Abundance. We've all fallen so much. And if we can keep remembering that, we will have so much love for other people and so much patience for others' journeys. And we would see this is the plan. We are the plan of God. We are the plan. There's no plan B. We are the plan. So we need to work towards this. Being what we were called to be. Being what he saved us to be by being filled with who he is. Tune to him. So that is what I was feeling like God had put on my heart heavily today. And I think there's like practical things that we each need to be praying about for our own lives. How are we, how are you being a light in the daycare? Ushering in the joy, the peace, the presence. I mean, it's in you. So whenever you go there, it's coming. But how are you, bam, smack down. But, but how are you displaying that in your words even more, your actions even more, your choices even more? Because you're a piece of the church. You're a part of the church. You're carrying the spirit. Jay, how are you doing it in your workplace? Marie, when you w start working tomorrow, how are you bringing that? Gary, how are you bringing it? Patrick, where are you bringing it? How are you bringing it at the bank? Where are we displaying it? How are we doing that? And are we doing it well? And it's not a striving thing or a works thing. It's really to say, this is the plan. I want to be part of it. And if I'm off somewhere, if I'm not doing it, thank God, I want to become more like Jesus. Show me. That has been the cry of my heart. And this morning I said, Lord, 
help me to see your answers to my prayers and not be offended by them <laughs> because or like rejecting the answers because sometimes he answers in a very different way than we expect and we immediately reject what was meant to be his answer <laughs> so I said hey Lord help me to not be offended by or immediately reject your answers to my prayers that I would recognize when you're answering and be able to receive it and in the same way for each of us individually how are we displaying it ask him these questions and as we grow in relationship with one another, we'll engage in deeper levels of discipleship, which is exciting. We'll get to see good, bad, and ugly. That should not produce fear in us. It should be like, okay, I'm going there. I want th this deep relationship. I want to be part of something that's bigger than me and bigger than my sin, and bigger than my mess-ups, and experience love in a community that displays his love. Because when we start to do that as a community here, who does it get? And that's our prayer. So if that's our prayer, it's got to start here. Show me you're ugly. Show me you're ugly. <laughs> Saturday? All bowling, you're ugly. <laughs> I showed you my good. Oh, yeah, 194, 194. We did wee bowling the, uh, the other day at their house. It was so fun. Ex it was a blast. The girls, <laughs> the girls were kicking butt. But uh, after I got my super high score, then we decided to play one more game, which was a bad idea because then I got a really low one, and I left on a low note. <laughs> yeah, we got to do it again. I want to break 200. <laughs> but that, you know, and that was such a beautiful night, too. That's like the type of relationship family we're talking about. This is, this is us. <laughs> Hand them in the ugly. This is us. This is us as a family. And we want people to walk in. And feel comfortable to let their guards down. To not have to look super uber spiritual. But to say, ah, this is me. I loved it the other night. I'm going to end with this too. Because it was, it was an example to me of it. I used to be, when I was like 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. <laughs> a good handful of years. 23, 24, probably 18 to 25. No joke, 18 to 25. I had this thought in my mind that waking up early showed that you were a very spiritual person. Because when you read autobiographies or biographies of all these great men and women, they all woke up at like 3 or 4 in the morning. And you're like, oh, does that mean I have to wake up that early and pray for three hours in order to be this crazy? And, but, you know, I read it and thought and was literally thinking that. So I came under this self-condemnation and, and religious thing. It was a religious spirit that said, if you get up past 6 a.m., you're not really being a good Christian, which is a bunch of baloney, by the way. But I believed it. And then if I ever slept in, 8, 9 o'clock, and then someone asked me, oh, so what time did you get up today? I would lie because I wanted to... I wanted to look or appear spiritual. 
And because I slept in, it didn't look spiritual. And so I wanted to put up this face because I was afraid of people judging me, fear of man, for sleeping in. Sounds so ridiculous now, but it was like big time in my life for a while. So the other night we're doing we're doing the Acts course and afterwards we're starting to talk and Patrick says something. This was awesome. He said he what you slept in, sleep in 10, 11, 12 sometimes when you don't have a job or whatever. And that was so awesome to me. I said, that is true spirituality. There's no fear of man. It is, it is who it is. Like, uh, this is who I am. I'm not going to lie about it. And I just was reminded of all these times where I tried to hide what I thought was not spiritual so no one else would judge me on it. And we were all tell- saying the times of the day that we wake up. And then he made a joke of like, oh, if we all just, it, we'd be a great team if we just took the different parts of the day that we felt most awake because he's a night person and I'm a not a night person I can't stay up late I'm like you saw it the other night it's like 9 p.m and I'm like I need to go to bed but that type of openness vulnerability for the things that we might think are cool or not cool it doesn't matter what we think about it if it is who we are at that point in life be honest why would you try to like be something that you're not. Yeah, but yeah. But it, it, it that doesn't even matter. The fact was you were honest. And in community and relationship, we should be completely honest and say, this is who I am. It might be my ugly time. It might be my good time. It might be my bad time. Who cares? It's where I'm at. And if I'm in my ugly time, I need your help. So I should be more vulnerable b- about it. Asking for prayer, seeking help, accountability. What'd you say? And coffee. Asking for coffee. Yeah, yeah. But this is, you know, this, do you get what I'm talking about? Like, this is family. This is what we want people to come in and feel like we're all honest, open here. We're normal people who have a lot of issues, but we're seeking the same thing. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Well, that's where discipleship comes along. If someone comes in here and they're, they're ugly as no deodorant, we say, here, I bought you a gift. The Lord put it on my heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely true. You start with buying them deodorant and then say, this is a very vital part of life. Smell my armpits how it should be. <laughs> Learn from me. <laughs> so the key points of today, we're all part of the big global church. It's not just us. So we can be encouraged because God is doing great things all over the world in the church and through the church. And we're part of that. Woohoo. And we need to be encouraging every local church around us. Keep fighting the good faith be encouraged. You're doing a great job. What you're doing is awesome. When they tell you about the, the outreaches they're doing, encourage it. Build it up. Edify them. Don't get jealous. Don't try to tear it down because it's not the same or different than us. No. Build it up. Edify. Encourage. Yeah. Get a strike. Go for it. We're on the same side. 
So what's a win for them is a win for us. What's a win for for Bulgaria is a win for us. What's a win in Brazil is a win for us because we're one and the same. Encourage. Secondly, how are we being real and loving one another as family here? Are we going deep? And how can we go deeper? And naturally letting those, not with snow, <laughs> naturally letting those things grow in us for one another. Amen? Hallelujah. Tommy, baby cakes, you want to pray? Just pray for us, release a word over us, whatever you're feeling.